portion we actually have two parshiot this week we have the torah portion tazria and metzora it's an honor and a pleasure to be with each and every single one of you here today and uh as you can see we are not over at jake's today we are actually in the studio we had i had quite a few people uh go and contact me yesterday and the day before and uh shalom to derek there uh that ended up letting me know that they were not going to be able to attend. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to take this day. I'm going to kind of relax as I needed to. And we're just going to do it in studio today. We're just going to do it in studio. And as you guys know, there's the live version. And then the nice little cleaned up version. That uh, with the better video and audio and all of that stuff. That uh, will be out tonight with the slides and all that stuff. And um, I posted the slides online. You can go and get those at beatgetula.com. And you can go through all of those. And we're going to be covering both of these partiot here today. All right. So uh, one quick announcement. Tomorrow is the first official day for the Hebrew class. Those of you who want to take the Hebrew class, um, you are... There we go. Uh, those of you who are wanting to take the Hebrew class online, you can do so. We're going to have people there during the Hebrew class. But um, you'll be able to get the uh, the finished, cleaned up video version of that. Uh, there will not be a live stream, but there will be a video version. There will also be a studio video version. And you will also get um, uh, some PDF books. Uh, each week dealing with the letter that we're going over that week and we're going to be working on the sounds we're going to be looking learning about the halakhot of each and every single one of the letters and the and the nekudot we're going to be going through all of those and uh you're going to be getting uh pdf files you're going to be getting flashcards you're going to be getting all this all those things and it's ten dollars a week so if you're interested in that send me a private message or an email let me know that you are interested in the Hebrew class. You're going to need to sign up before tomorrow afternoon. Okay, so, you know, and each week it'll be $10, and, you know, it's very well worth the $10. We're going to be starting on the first letter, the Aleph, tomorrow. We put the uh, video version up of the history up for free uh, last week or two weeks ago, as a matter of fact. We had to take last week off. So, let us go ahead and get started in this week's uh, two parshiot, Metzorah and Tazria. And I switched those two up. Tazria first, then Metzorah. Okay, so let us go, first of all, to the book of Vayikra, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 13. And it says, Then the priest should examine it, if he seems that... Or if he sees that the that the uh, uh, zorot has covered all of his body, he should pronounce the lesion ritually pure. For since that person has turned completely white, he is ritually pure. There's something that we have to learn 
about this word za'arot and what it is that this signifies. Okay, so we'll be able to look at that when we go to the next slide here. I think my, hold on, let me try and fix my slides here as I move this microphone. That was that. That kind of looked like an ac an acrobat type of thing, didn't it? <laughs> and when we go to Sanhedrin ninety seven a, in relation to Zaharot, it says this: It says the Messiah will come when every government becomes heretical. Rabbah said, "Where do you see an allusion to this in Scripture?" From the verse, he has turned completely white. He is ritually pure. As it says in the verse we just read, Vaikra, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 13. Just as when the affliction was spread through the entire skin, the person is ritually pure. So too, when all the governments have become heretical, the redemption will come. Now, this is an obvious statement of, of uh, things that it is that we'll get, get into that are in relation to Isaiah chapter 53 in terms of the Messiah. For in Isaiah 53, there is argument over the current anti-missionary movement, and the traditionalist view from a Jewish standpoint within documents like the Talmud, the Midrashim, the Zohar, and several other of these texts that it is that we that are our holy books in Judaism that are devoid of the ideology of the current anti-missionary movement who claim people like Tovia Singer and Rabbi Mizrahi and you know some of these others, Ira Mickelson, you know, and so on down the line, who claim that Isaiah chapter 53 is not speaking of an afflicted Messiah. It's talking about an afflicted people. The, the, uh, uh, the Jewish people is what it's talking about. But we have some real issues with that, with the words lo and with the word hu within those chapters that refer to that of a singular individual as opposed to a plurality and to a nation of people. Okay, we, there are these tenses and these rabbis and sages through this time knew this classically. They taught within that of the Talmud that Isaiah 53 several times, especially within the book of Sanhedrin, that uh, uh, it's talking about the Mashiach. We got a question from Derek on this here, and Derek says they are being untruthful <coughs> to the Messorah. And the text, well, that, that, is, that is very true. That is very true. Anti-missionary is the most slimy people on the face of the planet, okay? They are probably some of the most slimy that you'll ever come in contact with. So absolutely, Derek, you're absolutely right. So let us go now to the next slide. And this is also is from the Talmud as well, from Tractate Sota. It says, the lesson here, healing comes only when you are humble and... Uh, and uh, uh, simple like ish, and referring to the basar of an ish, of a man. 
Okay, talking about the the bizarre being that of, of the finite being of a person. You know, the thing that you could touch, the thing that you could feel. Now, one of the things that I talked with, and I see that Jason's watching this, one of the things I talked with Jason about yesterday in terms of uh, a, a thing we were trying to go and record the other day. Um, and uh, we were talking about the difference between Basar and the Nefeshot, how many times within that of the Torah it goes and makes note of the lives of the children of Israel. And in those lives, or in that word lives, Within that of the Hebrew, it says nefeshot. So it's talking about an individual and everything that they are being within that, the nefesh of the, of, the, of the soul. In some places we see the neshama, some places we see the chaya, some places we see the ruach, you know, and you know, all of these things. We see nishmat chayim within that of the book of Genesis. So, you know, there are all these things in relation to the soul being the makeup of a, of a human person and not necessarily the basar, the, the outer um, but Tractate Sota goes on and says, A person who is arrogant and rigid like the earth, Adama, will be healed. Okay? So we see that, you know, our physical condition at times really is a reflection of the, um, of the condition that is internal, that is a spiritual condition, that is kind of this wall that we put up between us and God. Now this... In this whole thing of of uh, uh, za'arat, of this affliction of leprosy, of legions and so on and so uh, lesions and so on and so forth, the Torah makes note of what exactly caused this ailment, and we see this in many places throughout that of the Torah. We see this in many places, and we're going to be getting to that here really quick. And I actually have a book that I'm not going to show you the title of right now. Got a book right here that actually deals with this entire issue. And uh, when we re reveal the name of this book, you'll be able to go onto their website and buy this book, or you'll be able to get the PDF version. They also have a PDF version, so you can read it before the uh, Shabbos ends and we go to the next Torah portion. Okay, but let us go and continue on in the book of Leviticus. We're going to be going to chapter thirteen, verse twenty, where it says the priest should examine it. And if its appearance is white, making it look deeper than, a surround, uh, the, than the surrounding skin of his body, and his hair is turned white, the priest should pronounce him ritually impure, for it is a lesion of za'arot that has erupted on the previously inflamed era, area. So we have to go and look at this whole thing and realize, again, this is a spiritual condition. Now, Rabbi Menachem says this, and this was between the 13th and 14th century when it was that he was alive. He said, the people do not see faults in themselves. If a person does something wrong, he will explain it away, saying that it is not, not a fault. Therefore, it is important that you have a close friend who can, um, whom you can listen to when they point out your faults. Now, this is important because this goes down with the aspect of humility that we all must have in Mashiach if we are going to go and live out a Torah lifestyle, if we were going to live out a Jewish lifestyle, we have to have everything centered and grounded within this aspect of being evid, being a servant, and also within that of being humble towards one another. 
this is the, the, the playing field for all of the fulfillment of mitzvahs. All the fulfillment of Torah law are, are all grounded in this aspect. And it's the aspect of humility. It's the aspect of humility. For a humble person will be able to listen when they are given correction, when they are able to receive tikkun. For people like uh, uh, Rabbi Shalom Arush, for instance, who wrote this phenomenal book called, called The Garden of Emunah, and his follow-up was the, uh, the Garden of Peace, A Marital Guide for Men. He goes and talks about how a person's wife, how their significant other is their tikkun. How for a man that the woman's job is to be the tikkun, the repair. And this is the way that women see things. Okay, let, let, let's, let's go and look at this. When a woman goes and gives criticism to a man, her criticism is not to harm his ego or to break him down or anything of the sort. Instead, it's almost like having this amazingly beautiful house. You know, you have this amazingly beautiful house. But the yard looks all ratty. The yard has all of this stuff, all these weeds and, you know, crab grass. It's got all of this stuff. And when people drive by, they don't focus in on the house. They focus in on the crab grass. They focus in on all these weeds that are growing up you know, throughout, throughout, throughout the house. And that's what it is that they see. That is their perception. Now, the, the aspects in our life where we need to cone, the places in our life where we need that correction, the wife or a man for his girlfriend, what her job is to go and to pull up those weeds, to pull up that crabgrass. Because what she wants to do is she wants to see people to see what it is that is within her husband what it is that she sees? The thing that the, the world doesn't see, that he's kind of got this crabgrass kind of blocking that, the, those attributes of the individual that he really is. So she is kind of his helpmate in this. This is why the Torah actually says, I will make a helpmate against you. You know, uh, because basically with, with this aspect, a woman is doing the things as a loudspeaker from that of Hashem. This is, they're made differently than, than us men are. This is their role. This is their function within Judaism. And, and also in many ways, I believe, possibly also within Christianity as well. And so this is very important. It's very important. And also we'll also have friends that are outside of our marriages, outside of our home life as well, that will also be those individuals that give us correction. That we can sit there and not have our sacred cow theologies saying that despite all the evidences, I'm going to you know, keep on down this path despite all the evidences against it. I'm going to stay down this path. That is an egotistical individual. Such a person is unable to have a productive relationship with their creator when they have this wall up between them and God. When it is that they want instead validation for their theology, as opposed to sitting there and being able to unbiasedly look at the evidences and say, okay, I need to change my viewpoint in this aspect. I need to change the way that it is that I perceive that. It only takes a humble individual to do so. An egotistical individual is unable, is unable to reach that, men, that mandrega. He's 
unable to reach that level. He's unable to progress forward. Many of you probably know of individuals who you've known for many years that uh, have not progressed in their faith. They've been at the same spot for many years in their faith. Their ideologies are exactly the same as they were several years ago. This is something to be wary of. Because if we are not growing in our relationship with God, if we're not growing in our theology, then we have some real issues that are based within that of egotism. And that egotism is actually the inner Satan, known as the Yetzahara, the evil inclination that we have to fight and that we have to kill daily. And it's so sad that we see many, many who confuse Yetzahara with that of Ruach HaKodesh, which are diametrically opposed to one another. They're direct opposites of one another. This should be very, very concerning. Okay, so let us go ahead and progress here. Let me pull up the next slide. And, well, if I can get my mouse to go where it needs to go. All right, let's see here. And then, now we're going to continue on in the book of Aikra, and we're actually going to be going into the next Torah portion, which is the Torah portion Metzorah, which we also have this week. And it says this uh, in chapter 14, verse uh, 2, it says, This will be the law for the Za'arat sufferer on the day of his ritual purification. His case should be brought to the attention of the priest. Okay, so you notice that it talks about an individual who is suffering from za'arat, from this condition which causes metzora, that causes leprosy, also known, well, that's actually in the next slide. It actually says, our sages understood the Hebrew for the word za'arat sufferer, metzora, as a, con as a uh, contraction of three Hebrew words, which is motzi shemra which means a defamer. They were of the opinion that the Za'arat lesions afflicted a person who defamed and slandered others. Now, we don't... Now, in the Hebrew, we have this evidence that Metzora comes from Motzi Shemra. Okay? And uh, the word Shem is the word name. Ra means evil, it's, it's, so it, it literally means blaspheming, the uh, 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 bringing blasphemy to, to uh, a person's name, essentially, and bringing evil to a person's name. One of the things that we have a hard time with, for some reason, on social media, maybe it's because of the fact that you know a person can do so many things anonymously. You'll see many teachers, many individuals, you know, with on social media going and bashing one another. I encourage everybody to go and check out this book. It's called Taming the Tongue. It's by Dr. Mark Kinzer. You can get it over at vineofdavid.com. And there's also an ebook version there, too, if you want to study this out. Uh, for some of you who are pastors or some of you who are uh, messianic rabbis or lapid rabbis or... Uh, you know, or what have you, you know, um, this would be a, a good study material for these uh, two partiote this week, Taming the Tongue by Dr. Mark Kinzer. A very good book, very good book. 
And there's a lot in Jewish writing that deal with this because we have two parshiot, Tazri and Metzorah, that deal with this concept. This concept of, of, uh, of Metzi Shemra and of Yetzahara, the, uh, or I'm sorry, of Lashon Hara, the evil tongue. There's a story, as a matter of fact, in Jewish legend that deals with an individual who, he, ne- he never ate kosher, he uh, never really did the Shabbos, never really did, you know, many of the things of the ritualistic things and the legal things that we have within Judaism. He never did any of these things. But at the same time, he never spoke Lashon Hara. In his entire life, he never, ever spoke Lashon Hara. Now, what is the job of the Satan, of the external Satan? What is his job? And even that of the, in, of the internal Satan, of the Yetzirah, or also known as Amalek. What is, what is their job? Their job is to wander to and fro from the earth and to accuse individuals. Both the Bible as well as the rabbinic texts make note that the Satan has a job. He has a job. What is his job? His job is to do that, to be, to be the accuser of the brethren. That's what it is that he is assigned to do, is to go out and to accuse. And so this old rabbinic tale talks about um, this individual who, you know, maybe wasn't the most observant individual in the world, but however, he never, never once committed Lashon Hara. Never did it. And with this, he dies and goes before Hashem. And to the right hand of the Father, we have Mashiach. To the left hand of the Father, we have the Satan. And so, Hashem goes and asks this man to go and make a case for himself. Why it is that he should be led into the Elom Haba. And so he states his case and all this stuff. Talks about how he was always edifying to his wife how it is that, you know, he would uh, engage in acts of gimelut hasidim, unfavored kindness, that he would uh, give to sadaka and all these things. And then the Satan tries to go and open his mouth, tries to accuse him of something. And Hashem goes and tells the Satan, you can't speak. Because he didn't say anything. He never committed Lashon Hara. Now, I, I have a theory. And this is, and we're just going to leave it at this. This is mainly a theory. That you remember in the Gospels where it says that Yeshua said that a person can blaspheme the Father and be forgiven. They can blaspheme the Son and they can be forgiven. But the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy of Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we get into all the things that Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, antipifies and and is a part of, the thing that we see is we can go all the way back to Genesis and the entire idea of the Nishmat Chaim, the breath of life that was given to each and every single individual that has ever been born. And we can relate that to Ephesians chapters 5 and 6 where it talks about the body of Messiah and the functions of the Guf HaMashiach. We can go and look at that. And so we see that there's the divine spark that's in each and every single person that is unique, that helps them to work together in the body. 
Now, there's also going to be those, though, who were given a divine spark who blasphemed the body. And so, the rabbis and sages make note of Nishmat Kaim, that breath of life being Ruach HaKodesh, being that spirit of holiness that is put within them, the thing that makes them unique and set apart and is very much a witness of Hashem. So, I then conclude that when Yeshua is talking about blaspheme of the Ruach HaKodesh that cannot be forgiven, that he's talking about Motsi Shemra, that he's talking about being a defamer of individuals and speaking evil about them. This is one of the biggest Torah commandments. Out of all of them, it's one of the very few where a person's given lesions on their skin and has to be outside of the camp when they commit Motsi Shemra. But yet, go and look through your social media feeds. You'll see this person attacking that one and that person attacking this one and you know so on down the line. It's just Lashon Hara all the way around. And then it's tried to, as you know, the rabbi went and talked about earlier, you know, in one of the previous slides about how it is that a person tries to justify these things and how that is based in ego and it's a part of the flesh, it's a part of the basar, it's a part of the things that a person must shed if they are going to live a life for Hashem. So these are things to think about. Now with this, we can go to Matthew chapter 12. Verses 35 through 37, and I'm going to be reading this from the Daily Hebrew Gospels here, and it says, A good man from the storehouse of his heart brings forth good. An evil man from the storehouse of evil brings forth evil. Yet I say to you, every worthless word that sons of men speak, they will give account for it on that day of, right, of, of judgment. But your words will be justified, and by your words you will become liable. So Yeshua is making note of the evil of Lashon Hara, of Motsi Shemra. He is making note of this and showing just how this affects what happens in the Elom Haba, within that of the world to come and how it will affect your standing in the Elom Haba. This is a very serious thing. And so, as we continue here, we also see this from the uh, epistle from James, chapter 4, verse 11, and it says, Do not speak Lashon Hara. I'm reading this from the Orthodox Jewish Bible. Against an Achbe Mashiach. This one speaking against an Achbe Mashiach or setting himself as a Shofet, a judge, for his Achbe Mashiach speaks against the Torah and sets himself up as a Shoret for the Torah. Now, if the Torah you judge, you are now, you are not sh uh, 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 Shomeri HaTorah, but a Shofet. We see James telling us to guard our words, to guard these things. There's a reason why it is the word for word that is used within the Targumim. Um, in Proverbs, 
says that our words can bring about life and our words can bring about death. The word that is used there is the word miltha. In some Targumim, it's memra, but it's they're the same same thing. It's also found in John chapter 1. Miltha is in John chapter 1 in the original Aramaic. And the word for word is also manifestation, so that our words manifest things. You know, when we think of things like cancer or sickness or, you know, famine or any of these things, you speak these things into existence. They may not be directed at the person that it is that you are speaking them to or about, but they are affecting somebody somewhere. So what we have to do then is to speak life throughout all that it is that we do, through all the ones that we come in contact with and have those words, the things that are edifying, the things that are pure, the things that are humble, the things that are of good nature, all the things that are mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, need to be the things that it is that we focus in on and the things that define us and the things that we want suspended within that of the cosmos. Okay, so let us continue on here. Now, Rabbi Isaac Moses Armana said in the 15th century, he said, speech is a function that elevates humans above the rest of the animal kingdom. Targumi Monkelos translates the verse, he blew into his nostrils a living soul, or a nishmat kaim, referring to a speaking soul. There is immense power vested in speech. It can perpetuate good or be harmful and destroy. It is the abuse of speech that the Torah wishes to curtail by writing, it will be the law of the defamer, also known as the law of the Metzar. And then finally, as we wrap it up here today, we're going to make this a little bit of a shadow of the Mashiach as well. The Talmud describes uh, the Messiah as he exists during the state in exile, awaiting to redeem the Jewish people. As a Za'arat sufferer, as we see in the Talmud in Sanhedrin 98b, while the Messiah himself is, is pure and holy, he's a pure and holy individual, he nevertheless bears the sufferings of the Jewish people in exile. In truth, he has borne our sickness and endured our pains. Yet we held him to be stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That's not, that's not coming from a Messianic commentary, that's not coming from a Lapid commentary, it's not coming from a Hebrew roots or even a Christian commentary. That's coming from a book from Rabbi Chaim uh, Miller. Chaim Miller works with Lubavitch already, and this is from his commentary on Vayikra in his uh, book, Lifestyles of Vayikra. Very, very interesting stuff. All right, All right so ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I wish each and every single one of you Shalom Racha. Peace and a blessing, and I hope and I pray that this teaching has been edifying to each and every single one of you. All right, all right. So, shalom, shalom, brocha. Peace and a blessing. Shalom.